This is Rabbi Sharon Brous, Rabbi Yadi Kar, where we're dedicated to reinvigorating Jewish community, ritual, and learning, all while laying the foundation for a just and loving society. You're listening to Ikar's podcast, where you can hear our sermons from Shabbat and holidays, our teachings, our guest speakers, basically anything we think worth hearing that we can capture and stream, you can listen to right here. The whole Megillah. I mean, literally the whole Megillah. So thank you so much for being with us. I do want to speak this morning about a practice that we started at Ikar about 18 years ago. We invited the community to spend the month of Elul, the month that is about to begin leading up to the holiday of Rosh Hashanah, the beginning of the new year, working on a particular reflection or a provocation. I saw this initially as a way to begin the work, to prepare our hearts for the high holy days, to think about forgiveness. What is the work that I need to do? To recognize each one of us that we have the muscle memory for the kind of work that the, holy, the high holy days invite us into, risk-taking and resiliency and courage. And we asked a question of the community so that our whole community could be involved in that work individually, but also collectively. And we've asked some great questions over the years. Some of you remember. When did you stand at a crossroads? And what decision did you ultimately make? Reflect on an act of cowardice from this past year and one act of courage. What drove you in those moments? One year we asked a question in memory of Giddy, a beautiful little boy in our community who died so tragically whose yard site, the anniversary of his death, is on Rosh Chodesh Elul, the first day of the month of Elul. And we asked, what was one small act of kindness that changed you? We collected these stories in booklets, and we we put on the cover some original art from one of the wonderful artists in our community, Jody Utah. And the book was a stunning, is a stunning compilation of stories. Two people told me in the last week, one of them, my mother-in-law, that she finds herself going back to these booklets, these stories, and reading and rereading them. They've become a kind of testimony to our community, to our voices, to our stories, to our failures and struggles, and also to the ways that we've triumphed over those struggles, the ways that we've grown. Now, we started this practice, as I said, very close to the beginning of Ikar. I was a young, earnest rabbi, and I thought when we started this practice that it was for you. I thought that I was helping you, our community, recognize that you have done the work, that you have this inside of you. But really, of course, I learned as soon as the first year's submissions came in that this was also for me. Your Torah changed me. It surprised me. It showed me truths that I didn't know, that I didn't have access to from my own life experience and from the sacred texts that are at the very heart of our tradition. Your stories and experiences awakened me to the narrowness of my own thinking and helped me expand. For example, here's one of the pieces of Torah that I learned from our community. One year, the prompt, one of my favorite prompts, was about epiphany. What was the one moment for you that changed everything? That was 5772 in Jewish time. That was 12 years ago. It was 2011. Do you remember that year, 2011? 
The Arab Spring had just started in Tunisia and it was sweeping the Middle East. Mubarak had resigned in Egypt. And in March, 15 kids in Syria scrawled some anti-government graffiti on the wall and they were arrested by Assad's regime. And protests erupted all around the country because of the treatment of these children in prison. And it triggered this devastating civil war that would last more than a decade and kill more than half a million people. Gaddafi was killed in Libya that year. There was a massive earthquake in Japan. It was catastrophic. Do you remember hearing about Fukushima nuclear plant and the damage there? and how we would be paying the price for this for generations. And, and it wasn't all catastrophic in 2011 either. Gay marriage became legal in New York State, and Don't Ask, Don't Tell was repealed. It felt like a year that was defined in many ways by the motto of Purim, one of our holidays that comes every spring, v'na'afochu. It is possible for everything, everything, to turn upside down on its head, I later came to describe that year as a year that felt like the whole world was overturned in sometimes catastrophic, sometimes wonderful, often terrifying ways. And the reason I'm talking about 2011 is because all of the events that were unfolding in the world that year led me to the prompt of epiphany. So I asked the community for your stories. What was the moment that shook you to your core, that changed the way that you think about the world, about your life? What was the moment that woke you, that broke you, that brought you to recognize your own vulnerability, confront your power or your powerlessness? I was thinking about news stories. I was thinking about front section stuff. I was thinking about the kind of vulnerability that we were all experiencing living in a topsy-turvy world. And I wanted to reinforce for our community that every day, every moment, every story could be the birth of something completely new, even in a world of so much chaos and heartache. But then the story started to pour in, and I started to notice something that I wasn't expecting at all. Because while the earth and our po politics and our financial systems were trembling, the things that really moved us as individuals were much smaller and it astonished me. There's one story that I read that year that one of our congregants submitted that I think about literally all the time, 12 years later. You came home from work. You were exhausted because you are working a double shift since your husband lost his job. You walked in the house. You saw that he was sitting on the couch. And then you peered into the kitchen and you saw a stack of dirty dishes sitting on the countertop waiting for you to take care of business. And you just knew. You knew that he'd never change. You knew that you did not want to spend your days filled up with rage and anger and resentment. You knew that you would lose yourself forever if you did not leave that marriage. And so you went inside and you did the dishes and then you left for good and you saved your life. That's the story that stuck with me all these years. But there were hundreds of moments like this that people shared, single sacred moments that revealed that life is precious and life is precarious and every single day is a blessing. The realization that you had messed up, that you deserved more, that love was possible. 
And you didn't find those little, those moments in the earthquakes and the tsunamis and the nuclear catastrophes and in the Arab Spring. You found them in the small moments in between. I want to offer us a simple Torah today as we begin to once again approach the month of Elul that leads us to the holiday of Rosh Hashanah and to the High Holy Days collectively, this sacred time of reflection and reckoning and resolution. Parshat Akev, as Leo read for us today, begins with a very strange choice of words. Akev tishmu'un et amishpatim ha'ela. If you are attentive, maybe, to these rules and you observe them carefully, then God will be faithful and give you the covenant and the love that God has promised you. So how do we get God's love? By observing these mitzvot, it said. By taking our behavior seriously. But the rabbis point out that actually the, the title of this week's parsha, Parshat Ekev, and the first word or second word of the parsha is actually, it's actually a, a little bit of a strange word. It's an unusual word. It doesn't sound quite right. There are many other ways to say, if you do agree to or as a result of your observance of these mitzvot. Now, the word akev has a meaning, a resonance. Does anyone know what it means? When you hear akev, what do you think it means? Do, what? Ankle. Yeah, it means ankle or heel, right? It means heel. A and the rabbis know this. And they think that that's not what it means right here exactly, but it kind of is. That maybe what the Torah is talking about is that the promise, the reward, will come from paying attention even to the heels of the mitzvot, the lighter mitzvot, the kind that you often tread on with our heels, the things we'll be inclined to see as less important, less consequential, the in-between mitzvot, the in-between moments. Pay attention to those, the rabbis say. That's the way to get God's love. We're talking about, the rabbis say, the kind of behaviors that we're hardly conscious of, the moments that don't ask a lot of us, but if we're awake and we're paying attention, we can learn a lot from. You see, we have this very human tendency to focus on the grand gestures rather than the small moments of kindness and decency, to focus on the national politics instead of the local elections, even though those are the ones that are going to have a greater impact on our lives. The lesson from this is really clear. To show up in the big moments, to pay attention to the broad strokes of history is important and it matters, but it's not enough because ultimately those big moments aren't what change us. Ultimately, those big gestures are not what define us. It's the small stuff. It's the reorientation of our hearts to the small stuff. Now, of course, the word akev is connected, as many of you know, to one very famous biblical character, to the character of Yaakov. And the reason that he's called Yaakov is because he came out holding on to his brother's heel. And so our rabbis decide to name I mean, not our rabbis, God and Yitzchak decide to name one of our patriarchs heel? What sense does that make? And even here you see embedded the message. The thing that seems like it's an afterthought, 
The thing that seems like it's less important is actually the most important, actually becomes the most central, the thing that matters most. And Dadzikanim, the, the, the rabbis, the Balei Tosafot, say that the Israelites ultimately were only redeemed from slavery in Egypt because of the merit of Yaakov, the heel. You see what happens? These tiny moments, the in-betweens, the insignificance ultimately are what make up the world, the arc of history, meaning what if this moment of Parshat Akev is actually a call for spiritual upheaval? What if it's saying to us, wake up, people? It's not just the big gestures. It's the small interactions. It's the small stories. It's the in-between moments. That's what defines us. That's what ultimately transforms us. And even the big momentous moments are only possible because of the millions and trillions of small moments in between that make up their foundation. So what does that mean for us today in this moment of really shattering, rupturous news here in this country and around the world? It means that we are called to take the small steps, to engage in the small gestures of love, to celebrate the small moments of holiness and kindness and possibility. I want to tell you what happened to me yesterday in the supermarket. I had to pick up some flour because I was short for making my challah. And I stopped at a market that I don't usually go to because I was coming from a meeting to another meeting. And I stopped in and I only had a couple of items and I realized I could easily go to the self-checkout because then I wouldn't have to talk to anybody. <laughs> but I realized I wanna talk to someone. I actually wanna say hello to the checkout person in the supermarket because I don't wanna live in a world in which all humans are replaced by machines. And so instead I waited online so that I could say hello to the checkout person. And she was lovely and kind, a nice young woman, and we said hello and chatted for a moment. And then the guy who came over to, to stuff my bags while I was talking to this person, I looked at him and I realized I knew him from somewhere. And I said, I know you. And he looked at me and he said, you don't look familiar to me. And I was like, no, I'm, sure, I'm certain we know each other. Um, he said, no, I think you're mistaken, ma'am. <laughs> I said, but I'm, my name is Sharon, Sharon Browse. He said, no, I don't, know, I don't know you. And I said, maybe you went to Camp Ramah. And he said, yeah, I did go to Camp Ramah. And he said, maybe I know you from Betham. And I'm like, no, maybe you know me from Ikar. And he said, oh, yes, that's how I know you. Yeah, I know you from Ikar. Okay. He asked his manager if he can step out for a moment because weighing heavily on his heart was his cousin who he believes is extremely ill and maybe dying. And he asked me, Rabbi, can you pray for my cousin? And I said, yes, of course. And today I pray for Susan and I ask all of us to hold Susan in our hearts. This is a teeny tiny moment that would, probably doesn't belong in any sermon, especially not as we're culminating and getting close to noon. But I'm sharing it with you now because these small moments are actually the very essence of our lives. That this young man could share his heart for just a moment. I thank God I didn't go to the self-checkout line. Do you know what I'm saying? When we go in to meet with families to prepare for funerals, we are trained to look for the heroic arc of a person's life. And I do, because I believe that every person has a heroic arc. But even more, I'm listening for the small moments, the in-between moments, the tiny stories that end up giving us a sense of who a person was when maybe nobody was even looking. I believe that's what Parshat Akev is calling us to, 
the heel moments, the moments we tread on so lightly that we might not even notice. And we know that those moments matter and they matter profoundly. We know in fact that those small moments, those small gestures can actually be the truly transformative ones. So as we enter into this sacred period in which we're all called to look at ourselves, to reckon, to reflect in a different way, I wanna invite us to think about the call that we almost don't have time to make. The interest that we take in a person when we could just as easily look away. The room that we could make for somebody at our Shabbos lunch table when we're already a little bit full. The dirty dishes that we could choose to get up off the couch to clean because even though our own hearts might be broken, we might recognize that our partner's working double shifts for the family. And this is one small thing that a person can do to take something off her plate. This month, for once, I want to invite us to put the small stuff first and to see what kind of blessings might then be born. I wish you Shabbat Shalom. Hi, it's Rabbi Brous again. Thank you so much for listening. Want more content like this? I hope you'll subscribe. And please consider making a contribution to Ikar so we can continue to work toward the fulfillment of our mission, to reanimate Jewish life, to embody moral courage, to nurture the spirit, and to work to decipher what it means to be a human being in the world today. Visit our website at ikar.org. That's I-K-A-R.org. And I hope to see you, maybe even in person, sometime soon.